Y'all know this song. You sing it at church. Come on. You know it. And
ladies and gentlemen. God is so good and he's never, ever, ever going to let us down. Thank you very much for being here on this episode number 153 of Rise Up. I hope that you were blasting that song loud and proud in your living rooms, in your cars, even in your places of work. Windows open at your home. Let the entire community, all your neighbors know that he's never going to let me down. Ever, ever, ever. And he'll never let them down either. Oh, I'm just so incredibly filled with the Holy Spirit today, last week, the week before, next week. I'm in it for the long haul. How about you? Mostly because once you see the truth, how do you go back to living a lie? That's why they call it red pilling in politics. You can't go back. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That's what Jesus is like. You see the truth. You hug the truth. You love the truth. You cry for the truth. Who would ever want to live a lie after that? Not me. Not me. I'll ask that all of you, please, please, please pray for Terry Sue, uh, her, her little fur kiddo, her little cat, uh, that her little cat does not have cancer of the nose. And uh, I'd like to let, if uh, Kovi and Amy are both watching, um, we are looking back to see kind of what happened with whatever Slurp Fund donations that we got. Sometimes things get lost in the mix, so we're checking that out. We also have an Enviro cleanse that needs to go out uh, as well. So we're trying to catch up here, but I just want to let you guys all know that uh, you are heard, your voices are heard, God hears you, Jesus hears you, we hear you. And we are one big, happy, LFA, God-fearing, God-loving family moving forward and never back. Moving the kingdom of heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. That is what our goal is. And that's what we do every day. There's a thousand of you right now watching here on rumble.com slash LFA TV. If you have not signed up for a profile yet and not been able to ever rumble a video or live chat it only takes about three minutes to set up a profile it's absolutely free and we would love that you join us we would absolutely love that you join us cindy bass said i shared on five different platforms and to about 15 people on my messenger that is a warrior for god that's a warrior for god some people sit there and go you know what nobody's gonna know if i don't share god knows you got to share a Godcast, at least the Godcast show. Anyway, folks, I appreciate you being here. For everybody watching on Roku and Firestick, thank you very much. And if you're watching on the LFA TV mobile app, thank you and share that to your friends and family. We're going to be updating and customizing that app here uh, going to- forward in the future. And uh, look at this, 1,100 people at 12 minutes past the hour, hungry for the word of God, as I am. So let's waste no more time. Let's go to the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Father God in heaven, how amazing, how wonderful, how powerful is your name. A name so powerful that when spoken in the face of evil, evil flees. Yahweh. And your begotten son, Yeshua, Jesus, fighting for us to have a chance again fighting and winning a battle for us just to be able to be near you, to love you. We long for the day of the Lord. We long for, come Jesus, come. Come Jesus, come. We want to go home. We are not of this world. We are not home. Not in the spirit. And Lord, we know that when you come back, there will be a day of darkness. We will talk about that today and what people can expect. But we long for you to come. You never let us down. You never leave us. You've never even forsaken us. And even Jesus was forsaken. That's how much you love us. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. 
convey that message today to the people that are listening and watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I have uh, a few videos to show you today. The verse of the day today is going to come from Zechariah. Now we've been talking a lot lately. If you've, if you've been here, you know. But if you're just joining in, you don't. We've been talking a lot lately about the day of the Lord and what to expect on that day. Folks, I don't think there's any coincidence that I have been talking about the day of the Lord multiple times in the last few weeks, especially when I rely 100% on the Holy Spirit to do rise up in the mornings. I don't think there's any coincidence that I am talking so much about the day of the Lord lately at the same time, simultaneously, as there's millions of people around the world claiming that they are having dreams and visions, some call them daydreams, of the rapture. Now, I'm not saying that we're close. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody knows. Not even the sun. What I am saying is, there's no coincidence that all of that is happening at the same time as we are experiencing a Jesus revolution. So I guess what I'm really saying to you is to be ready. How many of you played sports when you were a kid? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you were not starters or have experienced being on a sport where you are on the bench and you're not one of the starting team. Well, you remember if you, if you played that position or if you were in that position in sports when you were a kid, you know that your coach always said, be ready at any minute because you could always be called in. And sometimes you were. There's even an old song. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Be ready at all times. I'm a big fan of, um, of, the, of the UFC, of MMA. And in the world of fighting, anything can happen. You can go from having a championship fight tomorrow to breaking your leg in training and then somebody else steps in and they never would have gotten a chance otherwise to fight for the championship. They win the belt and they are a champion out of really nothing else except for dumb luck that the guy before them got injured and they got put in that place. Miss Mocha Powered, you laid it right out perfectly. Don't get ready, be ready. That means don't wait. Let today be the day. And Mazzy Paws also says a very powerful and correct statement. The Bible says he will come like a thief in the night. Boom. That will be the day of darkness, folks. Good morning, OFP Farms. How are you guys doing? CQ said, Jeremy, I am ready for Jesus to return in capital letters. Terry Sue says, I'm ready in capital letters. Those are the words of a child of God. Those are the words of a soldier or Christ. Remember what Jim Caviezel said, the devil owns the fence. So if you're on it, you belong to him. I titled today's show, The Day of Darkness. Let me read for you the description if you just joined in and you have not had time to read the description yet. It says this. One day of darkness. That is what we are going to experience on the day of the Lord. And during that time, so many horrifying but yet amazing things will happen on this earth. You need to understand the importance of that day. You need to look in the mirror today, right now, and call upon the Holy Spirit to guide you to the answer of the age-old question that we've all had and some still have today. Will I be going to heaven with God? 
Now, most of you would automatically answer yes. If I were to say to you, are you going to heaven with God? Or that question was to be asked to you, or if you were to ask yourself that question, most of you would unequivocally say, yes, I'm going to be in heaven with God. But you must understand, there are many of us here that are not 100% sure. And it's not a bad question to ask. You're not a bad person if you have that question. Some of you will need to make sure that you are going, and this is how you do it. You lean on the Holy Spirit. You look in the, you look in the mirror. You judge yourself by the Ten Commandments. You know that if you sin, you feel broken. If you sin and you feel broken over it, if you feel like you can't even forgive yourself for saying the Lord's name in vain or lusting or, or whatever, dishonoring your parents, coveting what your neighbor has, if you do that and you feel hurt to the point where tears are streaming down your face, you're going to heaven because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. But you've got to do it today. This is how. This is how. So many people that call themselves Christians that are, are so early on in their journey with Jesus that the answers that you and I have, they don't have yet, but that does not make them a lover of Christ that does not, or not a lover of Christ, that does not make them not a Christian. We need to be there for these people to lean on so that the Holy Spirit that dwells in us can activate the Holy Spirit that dwells in them even more and push them to want to know those answers over anything else. It has to be a priority. It has to be a priority for you to know this if you don't. Nothing else in the world is more important than this. Not even the life of your own family members around you. Nothing is more important than you prioritizing the very, 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 very important question, am I going to heaven? If you don't know that, you better start on that journey today. Holy Spirit, activate. Nothing is more important. In God's hands, says, I know before I do it, but my mouth has an issue and I'm working on it. And ask for forgiveness over every time right after, praying it will shut up. Intervene, Lord. Then the Holy Spirit dwells within you. I could promise you this. The, God, the Bible promises this, promises us that. CQ says, Jeremy, I've been thinking about the LFA member who's in jail praying for his salvation. I've not wrote him back yet, mostly because I haven't really had the time to sit down and write him back yet. I will because of the connection of, you know, understanding what being locked up means. It's very, 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 I'm, I'm, I have not given it the thought that I should have given it and I have not given it the prayer that I, that I should have given it yet. To bring myself to write somebody who has sexually molested his own children. I know the right thing to do is to be there for him and to reach out for him and to help him through it. And I'm going to do it. I just not have brought myself to actually sit down and do it yet. That's difficult for me. Because in one hand, I sympathize with the man more than ever being locked up. Having your freedoms taken away, stuck in prison, I get that. I get wanting to seek for the Lord. I do not get molesting children. It is the one thing on this earth that I hate, the sin that I hate the most. So I, I, I'm, I'm working on that one. And I will do it, I promise you. I promised God, I promised myself. I will do that. Because he needs to know, like I just told you, they need to lean on our Holy Spirit. I've got to do it. Oh, I've got to do it, but it's going to be hard. 
Amanda Collins said it was hard for him to write. I that exactly. I imagine it was. How do you, how do you, admit to something so horrific, if not for seeking the Lord? I'll get to it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to one minute prayer for dads. Obedience. Something you're going to want to have long before the day of darkness. J-Rock says he confessed to you. Now he awaits your direction. I know it's just hard to be the one to, to have to do the directing when it's something like that. John fourteen thirty one. I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Not so the world may know that I am a good Christian. Not so the world may know that I am a better Christian than you. Or look at me. I follow Jesus. No, you want to do it so that the world knows that you love the Father. Love's the answer for everything. Everybody says, why are humans here? Love. Love is the answer. That's why we're here. If we are to see obedient children, we must learn to be obedient to God. Page 80. God, now that I'm a dad, I understand more about obedience than I did when I was a son. I remember how hard it was to obey when I wanted my own way in a matter. Now I see my own kids struggling to obey at times. And yet Jesus obeyed so the world would know that he loved the Father. That's what obedience to a parent is. Showing your love through doing the very things that a loving father has commanded you to do. Lord, it's not too late for me to show my love by being obedient. Help me impress on my children why obedience is so great, even when it goes against our own desires. And that even goes for if your children are already grown. You understand? If you are a father and you were your child's superhero, or you are a mother and you were your child's superhero when they were younger, guess what? You still are. You still are their superhero. And I know this because I'm an adult and I have a great relationship with my mother and my father now which I didn't when I was younger. But if my father or my mother comes to my house and they call me and they tell me how proud they are of me, do you know what that makes me feel like? I'm 40, I'm about to be 44 next month. And to this day, even though I didn't grow up with my dad, I look to my dad for approval to what I'm doing. And if my dad tells me, no, that's not right. I'm not saying I obey every time. But I listen. So it doesn't matter if your children are grown or not. They still see you as a superhero. Larry said, I wasn't a hero. My parents are dead and grandparents are dead. So become a hero today. Because Larry, you're in here every day. And every day you're talking about how bad you are, how terrible you are, how screwed you are, and how horrible you are. You know what I've never heard Larry Reha say? How blessed I am. How much love I have in my heart. 
And that's the truth, Larry. Not the lies that you allow your mouth to spew about yourself every day. That is blasphemy, my friend, to your body that God gave you, to your spirit and soul that God gave you. You're obviously not here for a mistake. So regardless of what you're going through, Larry, downing yourself every single day is not, is not what God cries when you do that. Do you know that, Larry, bud? God cries when you do that. So become a hero today. Trust me, there are people in your life that would love to see it. You don't know it because you're stuck in a fog. You're stuck in a daze. I've been there many, many times. I fall back into it all the time. The devil is a liar all the time, Larry. And he's got you believing his lies. You can't do that. You got to speak of the blessings that God gives you. You got to speak them, my friend. You're strong enough. I know you well enough to know that you're not weak. So look yourself in the mirror today and tell yourself to stop it. Sometimes you got to be bold with yourself. You really do. Trust me. I have to look myself in the mirror all the time and tell myself how much of an idiot I am. Larry says, I do what I can for others all the time. Boom, you're a hero. Yay, look at that. That makes you a hero. That shows people that you love God the Father. Now, here's the thing. When you do it for people, do you say, all glory to God, it's because of him that I was allowed to do this. If you can do that and confess that with your mouth to those people when you help them, that is what God wants you to do. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're commanded to do, my friend. And when you start doing that, and you stop caring what your wife, who obviously is not, who's lost, you need to be the GPS, Larry. You need to be the GPS for her. Be a hero to her. You want to save somebody, save your wife. Because you talk about it all the time, my friend. How do you do it? You got to start speaking God all the time. No matter how much she rejects it. Smile and keep doing it. She ain't going to leave you. Now, I see Larry said he'll try. That's good, Larry. But Master Yoda says there is no try. There's only do or do not. And with Christ, Philippians 4.13 says all things are possible. I don't mean to be like I'm scolding you or anything, buddy. But this is what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. And we're supposed to tell each other and guide each other to the ways that God wants us to go. If there's anybody in your life that you need to or can be a hero to, Larry, it is your wife. Save her from damnation. Tell her to call me. I'll talk to her. I'd love to. The clock is ticking. Psalm 39, 4. Psalm 39, 4. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. Remember being 10 and dreaming about being a teenager? Seemed like it would never arrive. But 13 came and went, and almost instantly you dreamed of turning 16. Having your driver's license. And that came and went right by too. As we age, the clock's hands seem to hasten their pace as if they're in a rush to get somewhere. Dragging us along. And one day we look up and wonder where the years have gone. Folks, I have the remedy for this, by the way. I do have the remedy for this to slow down. First of all, slow down. Physically, slow down. Stop being in a rush to go to the gas station. Stop being in a rush to get home. Stop being in a rush to go to get uh, groceries. Stop being in a rush to do your errands. Stop being in a rush to get the yard mode. Stop being in a rush. You know this this last weekend, uh, Sunday. No, was it Sunday? Saturday. No, it was uh, Sunday. Sunday after church. I'm sitting there in the driveway, and I just got done uh, cleaning my golf clubs because I'm a terrible golfer, and I like but I like to go golfing. So I just got done cleaning my golf clubs and I'm sitting there and I'm, 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 I'm perplexed and I'm sitting there looking at my golf clubs and my neighbor who's in his 80s, John, great guy, 
walks over and he says, going golfing? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, what do you mean you don't know? And I said, John, I got five kids that I barely see, a wife that I barely see, and I got yard work that I've got to take care of. And he says, as far as the yard work goes, you're always going to have yard work to do. Always. Even if you do yard work all day today, guess what there's going to be tomorrow? Yard work. He goes, but you're not always going to be able to go golfing, especially on a summer where it rains 80% of the time. And your family would want you to have fun. So I went golfing. With, my, with two of my kids, got to kill two birds with one stone. But he was right. Life goes by so fast. Slow down. Stop being in a rush to have to do everything and do what God wants you to do. If your stuff is taken care of, enjoy the moment. I got to smell the air, hear God's birds, feel God's breeze blowing through that golf cart. And I got to spend three hours with two of my kids, one of which is a golf prodigy, which makes me mad because he's better than I am already almost. But it is. When you get out of the vehicle, when you go to the gas station, right? You got to get gas. You got to move on. You got to get to where you're going. Maybe you're going to work. Maybe you're going home. You get out. You run over. You, you, you press, the gas th- uh, press the gas button. Put in your code, blah, blah, blah. And you get, slow that down. And while you're slowing that down, while you're slowly getting out of the car like you're old, while you're slowly getting back in the car like you're old, enjoy getting older. And if you can enjoy getting older and you can give all glory to God while you're doing it, time doesn't go as fast as you think it does. The days feel longer. It's pretty incredible. What we've been taught on this earth the home, the picket fence, the children, the blah, blah, blah. It's not, all, it's not all puppies and rainbows. A flip side view is the antidote. We can use our days in such a way as to turn that whoosh of time into warmth. That feeling of loss into a legacy of love. This, of course, is something we mustn't put off any longer. After all, tick-tock, 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 the clock is ticking. Oh, wretched man says, I rush to do everything. Yeah, so do I, until I go, what am I doing? Hello, McFly, slow down. I used to get home and grab my bag and get out of the truck and run into the house as quick as I could, say hi to everybody, do my hugs, have dinner. But now you know what I do? I slowly get out of the truck. I walk behind the truck. I thank you for a day, no matter what happened today. And I slowly walk into the house. I'm kind of like Eeyore. Ooh, bother. (laughs) I mean, without the depression. Very slow, though, these days. And I'm enjoying it. The faster you go, the faster life is. Think about that. You are creating your own, I don't have enough time in the day situations. We do it ourselves. Jamie says, why does time fly so fast when you're older? That's why. Because you're trying to, you're trying to cram in as many things as you can before it's too late. But you don't have to cram anything. You just have to enjoy and ride with the flow. Ain't no flow like that Jesus flow. What you doing? I'm riding that Jesus flow. Where, how are we doing for time? We're doing okay. The cost of discipleship. Luke 14, 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? The parable of the man building a tower is a continuation of the teaching regarding what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. The parable stresses commitment. 
jailhouse religion, which we've talked about before, where a person is only sorry he got caught, is trying to get out of a bad situation, will not produce true discipleship. It takes a forsaking of all to be Jesus' disciple. Jesus is simply saying, count the cost. Jesus' teaching on discipleship emphasizes commitment. Jesus, as a king, wouldn't engage in a war without thoroughly considering all possible outcomes. So no one should attempt to become a disciple of Jesus without counting the cost. After all, nothing good comes for free, right? It would be better not to start following Jesus than to start and then turn back. Isn't that how we started the show? How can you know the truth and then turn back? It is impossible. As we have 1,500 people watching live, please reach down right under the video to the left and click that thumbs up and let it turn green. I'd appreciate that. When a person first comes to Jesus, it is impossible to know everything that following Jesus might entail. No one, however, should be fearful of making a total commitment. That's called faith. Because of some imagined problem that may never come to pass. That's the devil. Berating you with could be and what ifs. There should be a willingness, a willingness to forsake everything that you have and know to follow Jesus. And once we make that decision, then Christ begins to live through us. And we find a strength that is not our own but equal to whatever test that, me, that we may encounter. And I would even say it's bigger than equal. I would say it is greater. If God be for me, then who could be against me? If I make God great and my problems small, and I don't make my problems small and are big, great, and my God small, then I'm good. I was talking with my father the other day. Now, my father is not a saved man. As my father gets older, he's leaning towards that. And it is my job to, to help save, to help save my father. And the other day I was talking to my father and I realized just how lost he really was when we were talking about the most important uh, things in our life that's priority over everything. And he said, your kids. And I said, no. He said, what do you mean? He said, your kids are the most important thing in your life. I said, no. They are not. He said, come on. I said, Dad, Jesus is far more important than my kids or my wife. He said, stop talking like that. That's what he said. He said, come on now. Stop that. He truly believes that my kids and my wife are the most important things in my life. He does not know. Forgive him, Father, for he knows not what he says. Imagine my father's surprise when I told him that my kids and my wife were not the most important thing in my life. Imagine his surprise not being a child of God, so he has no idea what I'm talking about. He's literally baffled. He's mind blown that I said that. He thinks that some reason that I have lost love for my children or lost love for my wife. He has no idea. How much more I love Jesus. He knows now. Still shocked, but he knows now. Now my mom is not fully saved either. She wants to be, but she just won't give it she won't give it up. My mom will not give up the life that she's only known. For a life that she says she isn't 100% sure of. She believes in God, she says. But she doesn't yet understand that the only way to God is through Christ. So I've got my work cut out for me. I did take my mom to church and she said she felt the Holy Spirit. She knows it exists, but she's unwilling to give all this up. Thank you for your prayers for my father. I appreciate you. So Salty said it right. 
When you put God first, everything else falls into place. 100% true. Barbara says, Jeremy, just beyond our yard, backyard is a golf course. Occasionally, Jim will walk over to the golfers and tell them jokes. They need that. They're probably hitting bad games and they need to smile. Jesus first. Amen. Very hard for my father to understand that. Barbara said, uh, Jeremy, does she know that Jesus died for her? She does. See, my mom is different. My mom knows that Jesus is real. My mom knows that God exists. My mom will not let her old self die and be reborn again. And I think that's a problem that a lot of people have. Yeah, I believe in God, but they're not Christians. They're not living that Christian life. That's the difference. That's the difference. My dad just doesn't believe in the importance or the severity of you need Jesus and God. He kind of believes there's a God, but he doesn't know. He's an agnostic, I would say. Pam says, my husband doesn't understand that God has to be first. I am so grateful that my wife understands that God has to be first so that she can love him more than me and I can love her more than him and him more than her. And neither of us are mad at each other for it. I'm so grateful for that. Wow, we are almost 1,600, folks. 1,600 people watching live. I've got a video. I've got two videos that I wanted to show you. So if, uh, if I could take this moment. Which is the first one I want to. Here's the first one I want to give you. Now, how many of you have not seen Nefarious yet? The only reason I want to show these videos to you um, is because I think you need to see them. Now, I'm not going to spoil Nefarious for you if you have not seen it. But there's a part that you must understand. There's a war for you. There's a war for you. That's how important you are. There is an eternal holy war going on for you, Barbara, for you, Mary, for you, T. Mitchell, for you, Amanda. So, Larry, if you think that you're not important or anything like that, understand there's a war being fought for you. That's how important you are. There's without measure. That's all there ever was. Heaven and hell. Armed enemy camps in complete opposition. That is until... You were created. My master immediately understood the long-term implications. Instead of forgiving us, the enemy was going to allow you to fill our vacant places in his realm. Your creation was nothing but a slap in our face. But my master also understood that if he could make man disobey, then his fate would mirror ours. And you didn't disappoint. Then came the tares among the wheat. In that moment, spirit became matter, flesh became a vessel. Self-will and self-seeking began a lusting after sin and impurity. And man, created to be king over nature, became its slave. A master, conquered and fettered. And sin brought him and his descendants to us. And we began our forever mission to destroy you. He made you in his image, but we remade you in ours. There's a war going on for you. Now, Eli's going to be hanging out with this guy, with that guy, this weekend. Because Eli does that. Eli hangs out with people that are famous and goes to movies and all that. But Eli's going to be uh, spending some time with him this weekend. And I got to tell you, Eli even admitted to me for the first time in my life, I 100% unequivocally know that evil and good exists. That was his best role. Now, you guys might know him from the Boondock Saints. He played in the Boondock Saints. And he did a great job then. But this right here, this should have got him 
every award that there is. And he's got an award in heaven for playing this role, I can tell you that. Because he, in this role, when he plays this role, he goes back and forth from being possessed to not being possessed. And the role that he, I, I just, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. There isn't an award that exists that that man should get. He did such a great job. So I imagine Eli's time with him is going to be great this weekend. And uh, just an incredible, incredible role. Now, I have to play something else for you. I told you that God picked you for a time such as this, didn't I? I told you that you were a warrior and that you were needed. So stop thinking that you're here just to be what you've been in your life prior. Not today. It's time to it's time to be something different. Let's play this. Obama lit up the White House as a rainbow. It's almost like giving America to the spirits. That night to celebrate the changing of marriage, that day was the 10th day of Tammuz. I look back on the ancient calendar of Babylon, you know what it says? It says the 10th day of Tammuz is appointed, is ordained to cast a spell to cause a man to love a man. Some of you pray, I wish I could live in Bible times. Congratulations, you made it. Welcome to Bible times. You see, if these are the days of Baal and Ashtoreth and Moloch, these also must be the days of Elijah. And if the gods are returning, it's time for the Elijahs of God to return. Time for you to become the Elijah of God. For this hour, that's why you were born. Don't fear it. Obama little. That's why you were born. Be an Elijah today. Don't fear it. Satan fears you. Demons fear you. Evil fears you. You are a light bearer. Be courageous. So many of us have wanted... I'm going to tell you a quick story. My wife knows this story. My friends know this story. I had no idea what it meant till the last couple of years. But I used to stand, and I probably told you the story yourself. I used to, to, to stand in, this, in my place of work 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I used to sit there and I used to look out the window. And I used to just be disgusted with the fact that I wasn't doing more. I used to sit there and I used to, and this was before God. This was before God was in my life or I accepted Christ. I used to sit there and I used to go, now this was more selfish reasons that I used to say it. But the fact of the matter is I knew that I was saying it for a reason. I just was saying it selfishly. I had no idea what it really meant 10, 12 years ago. But I used to sit there and go, I am meant for so much more than this. What am I doing? People used to come in and go, oh, I, used, I would love to have your job. You got the greatest job. I was the manager of a craft distillery, making craft bourbons and vodkas. What a great job. I was getting paid decent money at the time. I got to meet people from all over the world, talk about the great intricate pieces and parts of putting together, you know, a still and making something so, you know, vivacious and beautiful as a spirit to taste and not to get wasted on but to you know I just loved the job and people used to say to me oh your job is so great your job is so great and I used to go oh thank you thank you thank you but in my after they would leave I'd get this look of disgust on my face like how could these people think what I'm doing is great I am meant for so much more than this now again back then it was selfish reasons I thought I was going to be some famous entertainer or something but now now I know I was meant for so much more and so are you You're not meant to work a nine-to-five job that's called a career so you can have security in your life so that when you retire, you have enough money to make it so that you can have that perfect little two-kid picket white fence, house, white house, all that stuff. That's not what we're here for. The American dream isn't that. That's what they've turned it into and sold to you. The American dream, if you really want to know what it is, is freedom. Freedom of expression, freedom of faith, freedom to practice, freedom to love, freedom of speech, freedom in Christ. That's the American dream.
Let me read for you the verse of the day before we get ready to go here. I got so much more to say. I wish this show was two hours now. You are a very special individual and you are needed here and you are needed now. It's not a cliche. It's not just me saying that. I'm being 100% truthful with you right now. And you know it too, don't you? Don't you? You see it when you look in the mirror. Feel it when you watch the world around you descend into darkness. Now there will be an utter day of darkness here on earth for those not willing to accept the truth. And it will be the beginning of no end for them. Zechariah 14, 3 through 7. Zechariah 14, 3 through 7. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. People always wanted to know, where will Jesus physically be when he comes back? Where will Jesus physically stand when he comes back? He will stand in the Mount of Olives, ladies and gentlemen. That's where he will be. Which faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall split into two. Now, now the rest of this verse, I really, really want you to pay attention to the similarities between Moses and Jesus in this time. From the east to the west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half shall move toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley. For the mountain valley shall reach to Azel. Now Azel or Azel in Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives is about three miles. I googled it. It's about three miles that Jesus will split the Mount of Olives in half and make a valley. Three miles long for people to escape. Much like Moses did. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of uh, Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus, the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. It shall come to pass in that day there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Do you want to know where Jesus will physically be on the day of the Lord? On the day he touches down here on earth? It's the Mount of Olives, folks. And on that day, the world will fall into utter darkness, and the army of God will fight against the evil nations while King Jesus opens up the mountain like Moses, parting the Red Sea for the saved and the righteous people to escape the wrath administered upon those sinful people. The distance from the Mount of Olives to the place called Azel is about three miles long and is in a direct straight route. If you go from the Mount of Olives to Azel and go from Azel, keep going straight, guess where you end up? Bethlehem. It is one straight line. Now this day of darkness will be horrifying for the most of the people on this planet. We will see the earth become dark while this happens, but it will only last one day. Now, we've been speaking a lot about the day of the Lord lately, and I'm not sure why. I let the Holy Spirit take over for me during Rise Up. But like I said earlier, I've also been hearing a lot of people around the world have been having dreams and visions of the rapture. Is something actually getting ready to happen in our lifetimes that could be the second coming? Well, we don't know. But God tells us this. Always be ready. Don't get ready. Be ready. So that is what I'm planning on doing. And while I'm doing it, I'm going to live in joy and peace with my family, and spread the gospel. Amen? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for Rise Up today. What a show. Always a show with you guys. Always amazing. I love each and every one of you. Thank you all very, very much. God bless you, and I'm going to take you out the same way I brought you in with a little bit of King of My Heart from Stephanie Gretzinger and Jeremy Riddle. God bless you guys. Sean Farish and Ungoverned comes up next, and I'll see you after that for Live from America. Thank you so very much. God bless you.